Hello, and welcome to Building Sustainability Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Hart, aka Jeffrey the Natural Builder. Building Sustainability consists of conversations with designers, builders, makers, dreamers, and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello, and welcome to Building Sustainability Podcast, episode 40. Uh, two things to mention before we delve into this episode proper. Uh, firstly is that I have just finished the new Building Sustainability podcast website and it's a vast improvement in terms of being able to find the episodes you want to hear, general layout, being able to subscribe easier. Uh, there's a big old guest page and a whole load of little features that you'll probably never notice but make it a lot better. Um, one of the nice little features is that uh, you can see all of the Apple reviews displayed all in one place. And it's wonderful to see so many five-star ratings. If you'd like to add to that, and it certainly would uh, help the podcast get more traction, then there's a link from that page. Um, secondly, I have recorded a second conversation with Wibbs Coulson. Uh, you might remember Wibbs from episode 26 uh, talking about movement and how, as builders, uh, we can move our bodies better. Uh, so the conversation just recorded is focused on breathing. And it was a fascinating chat about how we've evolved not to breathe efficiently and what that does for our mental and physical health. Uh, so that episode is currently only available on the Building Sustainability Patreon page. Uh, i like to keep the podcasts which deviate from our main topic of the built environment i like to keep those ones spread out a little bit so the new episode with wibs will be out for everybody in maybe a month or so um but i thought instead of just sitting on the episode i thought i'd give it out to the podcast supporters um so if you go to patreon.com forward slash building sustainability you can hear that episode and about five hours of bonus content okay on today's episode i'm talking to alice and gavin munro from full grown so full grown are a derbyshire based company who are growing chairs and other furniture products on trees as trees they're shaping the trees to create the products um so i think their website probably says it best we at full grown are developing an elegant biofactoring process that emits oxygen absorbs co2 and whose byproducts sustain the birds the bees and other wildlife our unique pieces are a result of an elegant collaboration with nature an expression of patience and consideration our company starts with our elegant unique and eminently touchable furniture nurtured over many years like vintage wines and whiskies, But our vision is to propose a new way of thinking about objects with which we surround ourselves. So I really wanted to get Alison and Gavin on the podcast as I think that what they're doing is not just stunning to look at, but pretty much the entire, I guess you call it manufacturing process, growing process of these products is benefiting the planet. It's creating oxygen diversity and yeah, the process is actually making the world a better place. How many people get to say that about what they're manufacturing? So I'll let them explain because they can do it so much better than I can. 
I should say that they have a slightly nervous dog with them, uh, so you can hear some dog patting going on, just to reassure. Okay, I'm back at the end. Enjoy the episode. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. We're having a bit of a, a rethink about how we make our objects, and especially when objects made out of wood, which um, is a material that you know we we love. Um, but as it stands, um, you tend to grow trees for a very long time, cut them down, chop them up into little bits, move them around a lot. And what we're doing is basically trying to bypass as much of that as possible. And we shape coppice trees into chairs and tables and useful structures. Uh-huh. And we started out kind of thinking about it like a vineyard, you know, where you'd have a row of chairs here and a row of lamps there. But actually, it's sort of more like an organised woodland where, uh, yeah, there's kind of, you can't seem to, um, you can't force a tree to grow into a chair. Right. So, you know, what we do is we um, we shape the ones that are going in the right direction in the first place. Uh-huh. By way of a sort of summary. So, yeah, that's what we're up to. It's um, it's quite a long burner, isn't it? <laughs> how, how, how long? Well, we've been sort of um, experimenting and sort of investigating since 2006. And then at the end of 2012... We actually became a company, um, and we've been trading for sort of seven years. Um, so it's been sort of fourteen years in total, and um, it's. Uh, I mean, in some ways, we're still kind of a startup because we're a few years away from regular harvest. Right. So, um, yeah, it's a kind of decades-long plan, and we're a decade and a half in. So, yeah. Blimey, careful what you wish for. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Um, so, uh, I mean, I guess, can you describe 
describe the process. So how do you get from the sapling in the ground to a chair or, or one of your other objects? Well, there's a, um, there's, there's a sort of a bit of time before you even start growing something into the shape of a chair or whatever it might be, where we do a thing called coppicing, mm-hmm. which, um, which you'll probably know of. Um, it's a sort of, I think we've been doing it since the Stone Age. It's been around for a while. And, um, and what we do is, so we plant the trees, let them grow, make sure that they're growing well and healthily. And then um, when we know that's working out nicely, then we coppice them, which is basically kind of cutting them down in the winter. Um, and then the new shoots that come the next spring, we shape those. So then we know that we've kind of hit the ground running with a tree that's healthy um, and vigorous. And when you've coppiced a tree, the root, you know, there's a big root ball already. And the tree itself is trying to kind of balance itself out and create as much canopy as kind of root, roughly speaking. So um, that's kind of, so it's at least sort of, three or four years before you've even started to grow the tree, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And then, um, and then we have a lovely moment in the spring where we, we go and look at the new shoots with our clipboards and we can see, oh, right, this is heading off in the right direction for a chair. That's heading in the right direction for a table or what have you. And, um, and then we kind of guide those branches. Uh-huh. Um, and um, so yeah, there's a few years before you even start. And then we um, we basically have a kind of build a frame that we can guide the shoots along with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sort of build the frame and take it apart as the tree grows. So, you know, you'll need a little bit of frame for the first year. And then in the second year, you can take that bit of frame off passing your second year's frame, as it were, or second stage, and then the first year's frame you can use on um, the pieces that are starting that year. So we've, we're sort of um, uber-efficient with our kind of framing as well. But, yeah, we're still developing those, so there's still um, things going on. And then when the, when the coppiced um, tree has been put into the right shape, and everything looks okay, and the wind is in the east or whichever direction it needs to be this time, Um, and then eventually that will be grafted, and then that's a really, really solid shape. After the grafting, um, if you know the the whole bone grafts and that sort of thing, that or a broken bone, it's a lot stronger where it's mended, Mm -hmm. so we believe it to be that that the bits where the grafts have happened will be much more much much more solid than the other pieces so instead of having lots of small pieces that you've sort of glued together or jammed together this way with the grafting those those joints should last for a long long time anyway that's the thing (laughs) and what 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 exactly are you grafting and what well let's let's go back a step what is grafting Ah. <laughs> uh, well it's joining two pieces together um with a with a natural growth thing i mean we do it all the time with roses and with grapevines we don't 
see it very often because it's not part of the uh, the thing that's advertised amongst those parts of agriculture. But it it's um it's joining one grown shoot onto another grown shoot, um, and usually with grafting with the roses or with um, grapevines that sort of thing it's two different varieties or two different plants together but with um, with what we're doing is we're grafting the tree onto itself which is a slightly different thing anyway which hasn't really been explored that much um, within horticulture so Okay. It's a whole new learning curve as well on that one. <laughs> Breaking new ground. Um, so I've I've done uh, grafting of apples. I think they were called scions onto apple trees. Yeah. So that yeah. I actually decorated a friend of mine's uh, apple tree with all the different varieties of apple that I could find. Uh, so he's oh, sort of got a rainbow tree. So he's never going to know what what on earth he's eating. Uh, but that's that's a that was a very sort of linear thing. I got a branch, I put on another branch directly in line and it, you know, continues to grow. Is that, is that what you're doing or are you? It's you... similar. What we're doing though is we're bringing them together parallel side by side. Okay. Um, so then it's normally what you're doing, like the stuff that you did with the apples and stuff. You've got a piece of um, material from a separate tree that you're grafting onto tends to be rootstocks and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but what we're doing is, you know, as we sort of grow a chair, for example, the, you, you sort of, the tree splits from um, the trunk into two that forms the chair back into four, um, ultimately into 12 branches, three on each kind of um, for each leg. And then you'll graft them back together again. I see. So then you're not, um, you know, the, the chair is essentially one solid piece, if you see what I mean. Got you. So, um, yeah, this is where it kind of gets into new territory, because normally when you're grafting, you just want to have, you know, the top of one bit and the bottom of another. Yeah. But we're actually kind of keeping everything. No, that's the point, is that we're, you know, um, bringing these branches back together again, grafting them so then you know the chair is literally one solid piece and um and then when they've grown together well that's when we can harvest them shortly after that right and um, do sort of a year or two's growth to kind of become solid and then um yeah then with look there's no reason why they can't last hundreds of thousands of years brilliant but, uh, or compost in a year or two if you put it in a um you know if it goes wrong. Yeah, if it goes wrong. Were so, you going to say in a chipper? <laughs> no, no, no. the compost heap at the bottom of the uh, at the bottom of the field. I was going to say that could that would be the most heart wrenching of scenes. Chucking out one of your well, it's hard enough getting small branches in a chipper, isn't it? So getting a chair, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Um, so, so if I'm understanding you correctly, so are you making kind of? Uh, like nodes when you're grafting these together. Sorry, I'm getting really into this. Uh, I, I'm trying to like, fully understand it. It's sort of a branch is crossing over and then you're joining them there, or are you joining them into sort of one mega branch of? It's, it's more like one mega branch, but we're keeping the two, keeping those, keeping them together. Yeah, you bring them parallel, partly because then if you kind of cross them or, or weave them together then they'll need to be 
thicker before you can plane them off because the growing them i guess is sort of is only sort of part one mm-hmm. part two is finishing them sort of thing so um by the time we're into the workshop then we want to have nice clean surfaces um to sort of peel and comfortable to be sat yes, on and, and comfy to be sat on and also because at the moment they're in quite a high price bracket we don't want um we don't want expensive clothes uh, yes no the, absolutely uh, the, yeah less than perfect finishing so that's that's part of what we have i mean the the ethos uh, or the d- the design behind it is it looks a bit hippie on on parts of it but much of it is the clean geometric outside a lot of people do um more rustic looking things but um the people who um enjoy more rustic things don't necessarily have the cash flow to be able to buy one of our pieces so it's a sort of it's a a compromise between the ethics and the design and the and the price and yeah, it turns out if you're starting something new it, and with trees, it's going to take a bit of time. So, um, yeah, that's I see now why cars were expensive to start with and computers were expensive. It's like there's just lots and lots of time. And for every chair that's, you know, that you do, there was, a lot, you know, 100 experiments that led up to it. So mm-hmm. There's yeah. that, that picture, isn't there, of uh, Dyson's vacuum cleaners as he he developed them and you know all the different prototypes and yeah i imagine you've got something similar well a lot of sticks a lot yeah there's a workshop full of them so how um do trees branch in a regular fashion or are they like do you know that you're going to get a branch coming off at a point where you need it well or can you make it happen? Or I don't. You can encourage slightly. You can um, you can do a thing called nicking and notching, where you can make a little cut just above a bud, um, or just below it, um, and that'll encourage or discourage growth. Um, so you can you can tweak, and as it, it were. And it also depends on the species as well. So beautiful ash was which oh, as we all, all know about ash dieback and that sort of thing but the ash was incredible for it it was very, very predictable very uniform very symmetrical and it was perfect for tree shaping but um yes oh. ash dieback came so yes we've, we've got a lot of trees in the field which are not going to be any sort of furniture item and will need to be cut down um because they're ash because yeah. they're ash, and, and we see a lot of signs of ash dieback. Yeah, it's, it's come to you, is it? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's been around, it's been here for a few years, but it's definitely here. Demonstrably yeah. not going to work. Yeah. But, um, but with things like sycamore, it's it's also got quite a lot of nodes, so quite a lot of potential for other other bits to branch out well branch out literally um but yeah there are lots of those really weak puns i apologize um so yes there are lots of things that you can predict and the the designs that have been worked out there's always a backup and a backup of the backup so if that particular twig and graft doesn't work there's something already planned 
within it so it's I mean that's that's the theory usually it works but you know that's also natural life not always yeah um, so what's you you mentioned a few different tree varieties there what what sort of ones uh, because I just imagined it would be willow well the willow is good to start with um because it sort of grows quickly and and it's flexible and grafts readily and and what have you but it's um it's also a kind of pioneer species so it's sort of live fast die young um you know and which makes it great for some things and not for others um i think over time we'll we'll start to understand certain species are going to be better for other things and then you know so we're starting to kind of starting to get that a little bit but um every time you understand something with trees then um then you find that actually there's 10 other things you don't understand and <laughs> you know well there is to learn so yeah diversity is definitely key though different yeah. varieties of trees and now that the field's been planted for over a decade now is it 2009 then we're actually starting to get some volunteers um, as in little saplings from, you know, from around the area. Um, we spotted one under the bottom of one of the willow chairs. It's nice the, holly. Yeah, and some holly some popping up. Nice and, sycamore as well. Yeah, there's yeah. all sorts of... So actually, we'll probably end up using those in the end once oh, the willow lovely. cut down. So, yeah, it's kind of... Yeah, it's going to be interesting kind of figuring out which is better for the witch. But, um, yeah, it's about kind of following the pattern there's a sort of compromise between the the growth patterns of the trees and and what we're after mm-hmm. so um and the other thing is the sort of strength of the trees so the willow is great grows quickly but the wood's not as strong as oak say which is happier to grow slower but is stronger wood so mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a false economy thinking the willow will grow quicker because it's not necessarily stronger but yeah. um yeah, the trick is to try as many different things. Yeah, it, it's a it's a real long, uh, I guess, sort of gestation period, isn't it? Or the you know, the, yeah. the the trials that you do, you can't do a quick mock up, can you? It's uh... no, no, and, and it's sometimes you at the beginning we thought you know it would sort of take you know two or three years after you've done something to see to know whether it worked or not, but actually. Um, it's almost longer than that. You can do something and then the branch will kind of stay still for two or three years and then year four and five start to move and things like that. So, um, yeah, everything you do, trees have... Um, and sometimes there's an object you think, oh, no, that's just not going to make it. Oh, it looks terrible. Oh, well, we'll just leave it there and then we'll cut it down later. But then the next year or week or month or something you'll look at it again and go oh that's really promising that's the best we've ever had and then you know so so things go through their cycles like that as well because it's not well it's not entirely predictable in which way the tree is going to grow so we can't entirely predict how it's actually going to look and then our our understanding moves on so it's oh this thing we thought was great then it's terrible now and vice versa so yeah, it's a huge learning curve every day, really. Yeah, aren't we lucky? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's great that you've got, I mean, built into what you're doing, you've got flexibility, or you have to, by the sounds of it. Yeah, and I think 
that's one of sort of humanity's downfalls maybe is our, our sort of blinkered like this is the way we do a thing because that's what we've always done uh and so it's it's nice to hear you you saying that you know things develop and, and grow and well yeah your faces say that <laughs> you don't maybe agree <laughs> nice parts to it yeah. but also some less nice parts to it i mean it's um yeah, the proactive versus the reactive is a constant situation. Uh, but yes, it is. It is nice to to see things changing. But um, I guess the thing is, is the the idea of growing useful structures instead of you know all that kind of waste that we do is sort of um, it's so beautiful. It kind of needs to be done, as it were. But um, yeah, it's definitely going to take a couple of people's lifetimes to to really pin it down. You know yeah. what I mean? So there's there's this essence of you know whatever we're doing is um, it's going to um, it's not going to be our lifetime that it's really gets going. But you know, at the same time, it's nice to be a part of it. I think the world is is very thankful for your <laughs> your falling on that sword. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, eh? <laughs> There's a guy in Germany that I'll just mention. Um, now my now my brain's gone. Um, Ferdinand, Ferdinand Ludwig. Ludwig, and he's he's looking into using uh, London Plain as buildings. So it's sort of crisscross structures, um, which actually make the the physical support for a building and he's doing it in a very scientific way very much more scientifically than we are and but the the potential for that sort of thing is just huge and yeah we're just on the small corner of small everyday objects rather than enormous buildings yeah but it is the tip of the iceberg as it were that's the Mm. thing the potential for the idea of guided growth is you know um rather large and broad i think but um yeah you have to start somewhere so we're going with chairs that'll that'll do that's hard i think that's good yeah i think it's good to have a a relatively quick uh, you know very much (laughs) vertical um uh way to sort of learn the process and then yeah if you're trying to grow buildings that's that's some some years yeah 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 i don't know it's sort of it is it is quite exciting the idea of of not pushing you know with a bulldozer as it were um because actually the the sort of more we've been doing this the kind of i can start i can see now how how it can look how it can be one day if you know what i mean um in so much as you're just making the most subtle tweak to a, a bit of woodland um as possible and and it's kind of like when we're clever about it and we do the right thing at the right time um it, finding that out is obviously its own story but um but kind of getting it right is definitely doing as little as possible at the right moment and um and it's quite miraculous what can be done that way if you know what i mean yeah because it is a bit of woodland. It's not a factory next to a 
you know, a, a monogrown forest that's been cut down. And, you know, it really is kind of making the least effort, least change to the natural world um, to get the thing that you want. And developing that idea is is really quite special. Really. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's almost like the less we do, the better it works. But which less is it, obviously, is a, is a yes. special... <laughs> I am. Um, I was thinking about your your work as as sort of a, a an analogy for for sustainability. In fact, and and there's sort of echoes in in different industries. But yeah, this idea of using time uh, instead of you know, it's obviously quicker to blitz up a load of bits of wood that have already stood. Obviously, not considering the the tree growing time, uh, and have a chair like you know, within a short amount of time. But actually, you know, to use less energy just means using more time. And so I think that's the sort of, you know, an idea that can be put into into many more sustainable sort of practices. Uh, and it's sort of like the slow food movement, you know, uh, instead of like real quick stuff, it's it's looking at the, the slower time is that, that, that key, yeah. I mean, the thing is, though, it is... Actually, if you've got no wood at all, as it were, you, you're starting from scratch, you've got nothing and you want a wooden chair, then, I mean, that kind of highlights the fact that you're either taking something from nature already, you know, by cutting down first growth forest or something, or if you do plant trees for timber further down the road, then actually to go from nothing to having a wooden chair is at least 50 years because you have had to, you know, if you want something out of wood, a tree had to grow. So even though it seems like, you know, you could do it quicker by going to the shop to get some wood, that was, you know, planted in 1950 or something. And and it's a sort of false economy, it's not a false economy, but, it's, you know, it's not entirely true that it's quicker. And by the time you've grown a tree 50 years, ostensibly we could have had you know almost 10 generations of chairs cut harvested yeah from there. so you know it's hard to kind of think of it in those terms but it's it kind of we'll be back after a quick break hey there i'm mick from the mick and pat show that's right and i'm pat looking for a podcast that's like catching up with old friends well you're in luck we're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary discuss culture and politics and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at The Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts. I think um, I think there's a perfect analogy for you in your canal boat life. I think it was in Ben Elton's Gridlock. And they had um, a whole conference about transport and things. I think it was like a 90s novel or something like that. And then down in the basement, there was just one chap in his barge, you know, talking about let's let's transport everything by canal and by the waterways, go back to the Victorian, go back to that sort of thing. And it was, it was, you know, he was neglected. Nobody went to see him in the basement sort of thing. But I do think that, I think that was a really, yeah, really important points that you've made there more time the 
the more time we can input doesn't necessarily mean there's less profitability in the end but it, it you know it's just going to take a bit of time <laughs> yeah. I think I can find that reference because um it, it yeah it totally reminded me of it and it's a, a book i read a long time ago <laughs> well yeah please do send it through if, uh, if you can find it you've you've reminded me of uh, a conversation i was having with uh, a thatcher friend of mine we were talking about this sort of idea of like growing your own home and and what it would take and we were thinking, you know, you plant a chestnut coppice and so you grow your timbers and you, you could grow wheat for your, your roof and for your, uh, for the straw bale walls. Yeah. I hadn't considered that. What if we grew the, grew the, the house sort of in situ as a house? We think it'll have powdery mildew and, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, welcome to try it out. But uh, yeah, it's, um, I've I've been well. We try not to get too extravagant in ideas because otherwise it just becomes a bit like oh, we can't do anything, we can't reach anything. But one of the things that I'm starting to think about is so what would it take? So as it were, if every town or village or city had a had a chair farm, how much would you need to be able? How much land would you need to be able to sustain the farmers as well to feed them and that sort of thing? But yeah, then I quickly retreat and go back and look at some wildflowers or something because it's too big a question. But it is something that needs to be, well, I think needs to be considered within our world of how much of a uh, carbon impact we have and how much we do need to sustain a, an individual and that sort of thing. I, don't know, I, I really quite like the idea of um, of having, you know, in a in a hospital, mm. in the hospital grounds, chairs being grown um because you know um there's nothing like being in hospital for the moment when you'd like something loved and and caring to sit in as it were you know what i mean yeah yeah the idea of and the thing is if they do last as long as we hope then it's just a matter of you know a couple of hundred years or so growing them before everybody can have one if they want you know we're not forcing them on anyone So um, I'm, I'm interested by that, that because uh, I saw on your website that, that you spent a lot of your, your childhood in, in hospitals. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's quite a big influence, really, I suppose. Um, I was sort of like passed around from hospital to hospital quite a bit. Um, so I got to kind of, there's not much to do in hospital, really, other than watch what's going on around you. Um, but one of the places where I was at for a while... Um, uh, sadly been knocked down now was a hollow wood um where it was kind of built into the woodland it was really nice it was sort of like these kind of long um big wide windows corridors so from my bed i could kind of you know in one direction i could look out into the woods and see you know there's bird feeders everywhere and and all the rest of that um and then kind of you know i could see how I don't know, it was really impressive how kind, considerate and competent everybody was, you know, all, all the people working there, you know, especially the nurses. And, um, yeah, it was really, had made quite an impact because I, there was a kind of, you know, whatever I do, I'd like it to be like this. This is great. Everybody's looked after, it's working efficiently. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a, it's a goal to aim for. I'm not saying I've got it by any stretch. But, um, yeah, it seemed to me that's how 
things can and, and should be done, I suppose. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, there's an essence of um, of that in the organise, you know, how we organise a chair orchard sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was quite a big, quite a big thing, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess your, your sort of imagining of this, um, you know, the chairs growing outside the hospital is, is very much based on like sort of visual memory that you have of looking out the window of a hospital. Yeah. Well, there's a definite chunk of gratitude there. You know what I mean? I'm really grateful. So, um, you know, yeah, it'd be nice to be able to say thank you, as it were. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It's um, it could be somebody else's lifetime when that sort of thing happens. We'll see. I suppose there are some woods that have um, antibacterial. Yeah, sycamore is is antibacterial. Yeah, chopping boards and things and stuff. So, Mm. yeah, and and this is what we were talking about with the finishing earlier a little bit. The the initial kind of idea isn't to was and and is to the chairs that we make for the actual outer surfaces to be really clean and crisp and geometric and, you know, not immediately obvious that's how it's made as it were, but um, also a damn sight easier to clean and, and all the rest of it. But um, you know, I'd love that to be um, in a hospital, imagine sort of the chair by the bedside sort of thing being grown. It'd be, you know, it's like a sort of hug. Yeah. Oh Yeah. And I think I think the more connections to nature, I think it's you know it's proven that it lowers your your sort of blood pressure and you know, does all the good mental health things which aid recovery, sort of in the background. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's definitely the moment for biophilia, isn't it? That's the thing. The, the, what, for biophilia. Uh, biophilia. What's that? Um, I'm questioning whether I spelt it pronounced I'll, it right. I'll send you through. I'll send it through to you now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a love of the natural world, I think, isn't it? Basically, well, no. it's not just oh. that, but it's we have that connection, and therefore our bodies need that connection, and therefore that kind of design ethos is much better for us all in the long term. So, um, for example, if you're coming through customs at an airport, generally they'll have a lovely picture of some trees and things like that, so that every not everybody's going. <gasps> I'm going to be stuck. I mean, the British. I'm going to be stuck, even though I've not done anything wrong. That thing, it does calm everybody down. Uh-huh. Um, there's also a brilliant charity called Horatio's Garden, which um, has it's it's also in spinal wards as as well. So there's there are gardens in. I think they're coming up to seven different hospitals with a huge garden for specifically for the spinal patients. But um, I've been reading a lot of it a lot about it over lockdown that sort of thing and obviously lots of other patients from lots of other wards are are going there as well so it's um yeah a very a very healing thing which which is innate in us but we've ignored it because we're so busy trying to go towards the industrial yes let's make everything work work sort of thing but I'll I'll send you through a little um definition for it oh Sorry. thank you oh, I'm, I'm very um I'm very attached to my phone <laughs> my phone gave me an alert this morning that just told me how many hours i spend on my phone a day and oh it's made me feel quite sick yeah we on, <laughs> shall we? yeah i mean it is our jobs so it's not so bad yes well uh, yeah maybe i'll change that <laughs> like, what are the big big developments over 
the you know, the the course of of growing chairs um i mean i'm thinking particularly about uh them growing upside down was that that wasn't always the the idea was it no no it was um yeah when we yeah when we started why wouldn't you grow the, a chair the right way around you know you can sit in it as it grows that would be cool it looks better in photos you can explain the process but um but actually what you're doing is bringing you know so if you've got a, a tree for each leg um you're bringing four trees um together this is why growing a house is a tricky thing you know what i mean you're bringing these four trees into a central point and so that means that you're kind of there's already competition for light before you've even started and now you're making it worse so that means that um you know one tree is going to be the winner you know at least one's going to lose and the two others are going to be in between and you're you've not got a kind of you've not got even growth at all and it's quite difficult you know we did um 200 of those and basically got two prototypes out of that right um and it was also one of the ideas that had been had then dismissed and then gone back to the chairs upside down yeah there's an awful lot of kind of of doing things and then and then going no that's not working i was right and then yeah three years later you go oh no that was right but i have to do this first then that can happen you know what i mean it's like we've got all the right ingredients already you know what i mean i'm sort of fairly sure that all the ingredients are there it's just what order do do you cook them in yeah you know what i mean and um but yeah that was a definite kind of bringing four trees together only kind of makes it go out of balance faster and is it's hard to kind of make some kind of structure so actually this is sort of one of the beauties of doing this really is is realizing that um well what would be better for the tree if that's the case and then you kind of that was a sort of eureka moment of realizing that well actually if you go from one trunk and split into two then you form the you know the the top of the chair back and then you split into four and then you've actually got the you know what you can lean against and then into eight where the seat is then that's actually closer to a a tree's growth pattern already you know splitting from from one to to many sort of thing so rather than trying to you know growing them the right way around is it's almost the opposite of that you're bringing four together before you can then sort of spread out again so um yeah that was quite a revelation doing that and um yeah it's um there's a few of those (laughs) (laughs) yeah and yeah the time thing is sort of weird because you do yeah you kind of make what you think is a mistake and then it turns out three years later it wasn't but um but only if you um you know don't try and rectify the mistake yeah (laughs) Mm. But, yeah it is quite a forgiving process though that's the thing if you do make if you do screw up and it goes out of balance then you can just prune it to the last point where it was okay and start again um although obviously that's an extra however many years how how sort of alike do the chairs end up then are they all or you know the products are they all completely unique 
or sort of yeah absolutely there's no way you can make them the same can it's i can i blow all in. Yeah. so so gavin came from this from a product design background and he's like, oh, i'm going to make this into a manufacturing method method they're going to all be uniform we're going to have them all in you know the rows that sort of thing um so was was sort of a bit oh I, I had those aren't those aren't matching those aren't matching how are we ever going to get a dining set blah 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 all of that sort of thing and then um a really nice young man who was studying at Kew Gardens had arranged he'd been to visit us to talk about tree shaping and then he'd also arranged to go and see one of Gavin's art heroes David Nash so Gavin and Joe went to see David Nash and uh, Gavin said oh yes this is what I'm doing it's a, it's a manufacturing process it's not art and David Nash says Oh no, I think it's art. And then after that, suddenly it was the shackles were off in some sort of way. So Gavin would be like, Oh, okay, I don't need to make it a uniform process. I can just make things. And that was a, a huge weight off his design shoulders, I think. And um and then the the sort of freedom to go and look around the field and say, Oh, well, that looks like it might be a chair, or that looks like a might be a lamp. It was a very big yeah, it was quite a moment, really. Actually, it was a, big, yeah. a big change. I feel like that was a, a another pivotal moment, really, to to start looking at it not as a manufacturing process or biofacturing, somebody else has called it, um, but as a as an artistic discussion first, and then later on, it can become a a biofacturing process that can be replicated more easily. I don't know. There's a contrast and they are not uniform. That's <laughs> saying. They aren't uniform. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, one of my questions was going to be whether you started this with an idea of art or sustainability or product. Yeah. It was definitely from the sort of product efficiency yeah. point of view. Um, but yeah, allowing the kind of art in as it were um, is yeah, there's a, a wonderful freedom to that. It's sort of um, where we can kind of, um, yeah, we can follow a pattern, you know, a starting point and a, and a recipe, as it were. But, um, yeah, if it goes off-piste, it's not a problem. In fact, it might be something even better. And um, and if we're listening to the, to the tree, as it were, um, then um, they often have their own ideas about how they want to grow as well. So... <laughs> letting that happen um adds to it so yeah started out as a product ended up sort of down the art road and then further down the line um with look we can kind of um we can start to to write down and communicate the sort of instructions as it were but um yeah some way to go yet <laughs> a lot of um, I've, I've got questions on your the, the sort of the way to go, but um, I'd like to talk a little bit about your backgrounds. Neither of you come from a horticultural background, do you? No, probably for the best because there's loads of things we didn't know we didn't know. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, um, although yes, we're we're trying to catch up. Yeah, I guess I'm from a linguistic background, I suppose. Um, so I studied German and English, and have lived in Germany, and also lived in China working um with a development organization um and in a teacher training college i suppose that my closest horticultural background is that i did 
grow flowers with a friend for for quite a while um but it it was you know a side hobby for much of that time so I guess that was the that's the closest we've really come to a horticultural background from um but yeah and we've both worked as gardeners but that's different to actually understanding what's happening with the processes and that sort of thing the thing is some of the things that we've done like some of the grafting and things um where it shouldn't have worked but then it did and if we'd have known if we were horticulturalists we might not have even tried okay you know? well like, so, have you got an example of that well there's a there's a yeah there's a chair <laughs> a chair where we we kind of we grafted the branches going in opposite directions um and but actually it was a really because it was a kind of it was a sort of inconvenient spot but there was a convenient branch nearby so i thought oh sod it we'll see if this works um but it did and i don't know that's kind of the best example yeah, is the so, sort of so joe the the young man from kew gardens he he wrote his dissertation on many of the mistakes that have been made <laughs> or, or that sort of thing so he he looked at that uh, contradictory graph he was like that'll never work and then it did work so we've named that chair after him but we think it's only because it was willow and willow is very different to everything else it has its own ideas about what it's going to do and and we'll do those sorts of things yeah it was incredibly lucky i don't think <laughs> yeah we won't make that into the process <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, I like that though. There's that that sort of idea, isn't there? That um, when you get fresh eyes on a on a, a problem or you know or a process, they they're seeing it differently, and with that sort of freedom to to make what others would call mistakes, actually, the what comes out of it is a a different thing yeah. entirely. Yeah, it does seem good bringing different not mediums together, but different kind of disciplines disciplines yeah that's exactly the word thank you mm-hmm. yeah different bringing different disciplines together seems to be really helpful actually so yeah i'm glad we've done that really do you want to talk about your background yeah so i guess my background when it comes to the furniture um i did i went to um art college in chesterfield and then um and then studied furniture design in leeds and it was it was before kind of cradle to cradle analysis. We did a a kind of cradle to grave analysis okay. following um, the life cycle of a Coke can, and that that blew my mind. You know, it was kind of like all this effort to get the you know to get the ore together in the first place before you've even done anything else. What a load of hassle that is! Um, you know, all this kind of work you need to do getting all the dyes and making the thing and you made the can of, and then obviously you know growing all the um the sugar and the stuff for the actual drink um and then you open the can drink it throw it in the bin it's like i don't know once it was kind of like put on the table quite so clearly because we sort of know this but when you look into it a bit and you and you see oh my god it's not it's not just with coke cans you know and then you start looking around at every, how everything else is made and um and it's insane it, we're completely nuts we we do all these things that that layer on top of each other that made sense at one point i'm sure but you know you add them all together and before you know it you're kind of um yeah you're being really wasteful with resources 
it's that lateral thinking, isn't it? Like that's very straight line. You know, there's a beginning and there's an end and there's no, no feedback to come back to the beginning again. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was the kind of revelation for me, to be honest, was sort of thinking, oh, okay, now every time you, you know, something is made and there's made objects everywhere, what's involved? You know, what are actually, because, um, you know, the thing with the Coke can and what have you, when you're mining that, you know, that bit of land's gone, isn't it, now? And and all the people that are involved in the process. And so actually, that you know, making that can of Coke affects thousands of people. and acres and acres of land somewhere and um and yeah maybe it doesn't need to be that way Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we can still you know have a nice time and all the rest of it i'm pretty sure we can it's just uh you know organizing it. yes we went um we went to a university uh design department to to um talk about the whole situation and we were talking with the lecturers and they were saying it's amazing how profligate the students are with with all the wood and the raw materials when they're designing but actually when they go out into the real world they're like oh that that costs my raw materials have now cost 150 pounds how on earth am I going to you know get the money back for actually everything I'm actually doing the you know they were talking about perhaps it would be a really important part of the, the whole product design um course is to actually understand what what it does financially physically yeah carbon with cost to actually make these gorgeous glorious huge structures well yeah they can't they are quite expensive yes I, I definitely came out of uh well I did industrial design at Brunel and uh and i came out of it with absolutely no like grounding in reality of of these things i was designing um but weirdly the the thing that was probably the most beneficial in my life uh was learning about uh built-in obsolescence and Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah, and, and beneficial in my life in that i went absolutely sod this i am not being a part of this industry I, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't believe that it was being taught to me as like a, a clever, good thing to do that these products should be designed to break so that they buy more products. So creepy, isn't it? It's so, yeah, not, not right at all, <laughs> but it's how everything's made, you know, um, and has been since like the forties or fifties or something. Isn't it? That's when it really kicked in. Yeah. Yeah, I read some kind of original reports about it or something, and I can't remember quite what it was or where it was, but it was sort of like very kind of openly saying, "Oh, this is what we need to do." You know, this is how we can, you know, get the economy going and get jobs or something and make money. And I don't know, it was sort of almost deemed a good thing at one point, but <laughs> totally insane. Why would you do that? Yeah, I think it might have been new deal or something like that might have been yeah i'm not sure but yeah not not right whatsoever is it no no and i i I remember uh, one of my first technology teachers uh he was talking really enthusiastically about those machines that you get ikea which replicate a bum sitting on a chair you know like fifty thousand times and and it was only actually when i've been thinking about talking to you that actually the i realized that the the purpose of those is to make it fail at you know fifty thousand and one it's not 
they're not testing it to be a good product. They're testing it to be a good enough product and then done. Yeah. Yeah, there's a time and a place for good enough, and that's not it, is it? <laughs> no. I don't know. It seems like it doesn't need to be that way, though, for everybody to earn a living. there's, It's not, you know, yeah, that's getting into geopolitical massiveness, isn't yes. it? Yes. <laughs> okay, so you did um, you did uh, furniture design, and then uh, then what, what happened? Oh, and then, um, and then I went to go and do a kind of um, sort of semi-apprenticeship with... Um, with a cabinet maker um, who was um, who would have been happier in the 18th century, I'm sure. <laughs> um, it was quite nice, really, because I kind of wanted to be able to work with the raw materials. You know, I wanted to. I realized if that if this is the case, this is what it takes to make things. Then I want to be involved with as much of the process as possible, and you know, and investigate this. So that was quite nice. The cost of my apprenticeship was basically restoring a Morris Traveller. Is that the one, one isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I linseed oiled it like 50 times or something. <laughs> but um, um, then I got the opportunity to go up to Scotland to work on the reconstruction of a Saxon barn. Okay. Um, which was, you know, actually the whole process because we'd go out into the woods looking for kind of, you know, wonky-shaped trees and what have you with a, a shy horse called Bobby. Um, and we'd cut them down with axes and drag the, the you know, the, the tree back and cut it up. And I know about top dog and bottom dog, as it were, pulling that sawdust into your face mm-hmm. in, a, in a cold pit. Um, I see how that one, <laughs> that one works. Um, but that was really cool, actually. That was really interesting, realising quite how much, you know, you don't need that much materials but the energy that goes into it is you and your muscles and um, and all the porridge you eat mm-hmm. uh, that morning to do it. And, yeah, that was a real kind of eye-opener of, like, you know, back to the conversation earlier about why, how we've kind of got to where we've got. Um, it's because, you know, somebody thought, I don't want to be stand- standing in a pit pulling the saw, you know, into my face um, with sawdust, you know, um, for however many hours a day, there's got to be a better way of doing it. And so I can see that how that happens. But all the same, yeah, it was really interesting working on those very materials themselves and, you know, seeing a bit of woodland turn into an actual barn yeah. that was used and all the rest of it. So that was really, that was really cool. And then, um, and then I got the chance to go to America building straw bale buildings. Nice. Yeah, it was great. We started out in Joshua Tree, mm-hmm. um, building a straw bale thing with a um, for a composer. So the acoustics were all very important. It was a kind of a vaulted ceiling and, and what have you. And building that in the desert, we had to um, sort of follow the build. We sort of built it in a spiral because you need to be you need to build a bit of shade to stand in to work in. If you see what I mean, and we sort of followed the sun around. Um, that was quite interesting yeah. <laughs> way of doing things. And then um, up to Northern California in the Redwoods, building a straw bale thing up there. And whilst doing that, I built a bit of a driftwood furniture habit. Of um, There was a sort of moment on the beach where there were some sticks laid out on top of a, a bigger chunk of wood. And it was this whole kind of growing things 
conversation had been going on for a while. I'd, I'd met a guy a few years ago called Dr. Chris Cattle, who grew um, stools, and I knew about um, Becky Northey and Peter Cook in Australia growing things, and there was um, John Krupsack, the um, American guy in 1900. So I'd, I'd known about this kind of thing, but didn't quite know where, you know, where I'd fit into it. And then whilst making the driftwood furniture, this whole kind of process thing that we were talking about earlier, the Coke can and what it takes to get things. Um, I actually thought, how hard can it be <laughs> to um, shape the tree into this, you know, this table that I'm making or this chair that I'm making right now? I thought it might be easier than um, cutting up driftwood and, and scribing it together. But um, I was simultaneously um, right and, and deeply wrong. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was the uh, moment. Um, within that chronology, there was a, a year working in London as a designer, but uh, it didn't go, it wasn't quite what you wanted, was it? Um, yeah, it was kind of making fancy things for status symbols and what have you. Yeah, we've come full circle with that. And here we are making <laughs> fancy things. Do you, do you see the future being uh, sort of chairs for the for the people? Oh, absolutely. That's the whole point. Um, there's no, there'd be no point doing it otherwise, really. But um, yeah, I guess there's sort of two things to discover. Really, is is um, is it actually possible to do on a big scale? And the more we do this, the, the, there's no reason not actually. You know what I mean? It, mm. It's kind of the materials that you use are so you, you need so little to do it. It's more about skill. It's kind of instead of growing oranges, you're growing marmalade, as it were. You know, so you're adding the value to the thing as it's growing. Um, but it's, yeah, at the moment, for the next sort of decade or two, it's going to be a kind of luxury item because, boy, it takes a lot of work and, um, you know, it's it's sort of, it's still early days developing it. And, yeah, like I say, for every, yeah. every sort of chair that we will release, there was, you know, several hundred things leading up to it. So yes, there's there's sort of the the price tag represents uh, a whole lot of learning. It's not just making chairs; it's it's all those mistakes and yeah. And there's there's also the fact that if you want to change things, actually, um, there's no point in me ranting about it. But if we can make something that somebody more influential has, then they can rave about it and. You know, that's kind of why we've been running the business as a business, because you need to show that it's, you know, actually a viable thing. So then there's the desire to do that. And if people more influential than us are saying, oh, this is great, then actually we can encourage it to spread better that way rather than, you know, so it's influence the influencers, Mm -hmm. hopefully, ideally. Yes, we could play our card. I like it, and it seems to be working. So you know, that's quite good. What are the the sort of aspirations uh, going forward? Then, I mean, how much? Well, first of all, how much uh, woodland have you got growing at the minute? So it's just under a couple of acres. So it's a okay. small spot, spot um, really, and we've got roughly sort of five hundred trees, various different stages in production. In production. About um, three thousand, three and a half thousand 
trees in total yeah, yeah. but um a lot of those are ash so they'll be yeah <laughs> so, yes so sad <laughs> so a large chunk of those are ash but um yeah what we're um lockdown's been a, a bit of a moment to kind of catch up with ourselves a little bit and think about what's realistically possible and what have you we've been sort of growing things like the lamps they were supposed to be in 2012 they were the quick crop quick you know, cash crop. we'll keep, grow a few of those that'll bring a bit of income in while we're waiting for the chairs we've literally grown a solid chair quicker than the bulk of the first batch of lighting pieces um so yeah what we're going to do going is to park lighting yeah, we'll put that on one side and just concentrate on chairs for for well the the idea at the moment is that Gavin and I will be responsible for growing 250 chairs and then after that we'll we'll have passed on to somebody else or something else I mean up until lockdown it was like oh we'll just well worldwide domination is the only thing we'll have chairs growing all over the world but um actually the reality has hit that actually that's quite a I mean we've we've explored having partnerships in different countries and looked into other sorts of things but nothing has quite worked out and actually it's much harder to control it's very hard to control the trees in the UK even harder in Germany the Netherlands wherever so it's it's somewhere between the world domination and the 250 (laughs) chairs is the aspiration I, I want a greenhouse and some horses. That's my actual aspiration. Then we've got lots of horse muck for the trees. So that's that's my huge ambition. I don't know what you're Oh, you want your monolith, don't you? Well, yeah. Yeah, that's what I want is a monolith table. Um, what? Yeah. what? Tell me more. Oh, well, yeah. So we, we, we do a limited number of chairs. That's it. 250 chairs. Um there's 180 of those are going towards a, a fundraising campaign where instead of kind of um, so that we can keep as a um, ideally we'd like, we'd like to become a social enterprise at some point. Um, I didn't know about them when we started. Um, so we're instead of selling equity, we're selling shares, uh, a share in future revenue of this, you know, first 180 chairs to be released um, after, you know, the pre-orders have gone out and what have you. So um, there's a kind of a limit on that. And, um, and actually, there's only so much you can achieve in a lifetime, isn't there? So um, it's like, okay, you know what, I'll do that. I'll grow those. We won't start any more lighting pieces. Um, and, you know, we've, as we've gone along from the beginning, I wanted to do things like grow chests of drawers and, and you know, any number of complex things. But, Actually, no. Let's get it. Let's get it basically right, and someone else can grow chest of drawers further down the road. Mm-hmm. But um, it would be really what I'd really like to do is grow. Um, well, basically the platonic solids, you know, your triangle and your cube and what have you. Um, but I'd like to kind of um, grow some meeting tables and dining tables in like a kind of. Um, yeah, like a giant monolith, a giant rectangle where the when the when the seats are kind of all tucked in, when no one's kind of sat there, it's just one solid rectangular cube, like a sort of giant retro futuristic 
um, sarcophagus type of thing, you know, a big... I'm imagining like the, the, the Star Trek, uh, is it the Borg? I'm not sure on my sci- sci-fi references. <laughs> There's a big floating well, cube, the uh, spaceship. I guess it's 2001, that monolith. Okay, right, yeah. 2001, let's grow that. Um, but, you know, make it a table so we, people can sit around it. So, yeah, I'd really like to do those. That's the kind of um, the thing I'd like to make most. And then, and then after that, we'll we'll do a few experiments, and um, and by that point, write the book and start sharing. You know, yeah. And and then someone else can pick up after that. We'll limit those, and um, yeah, and then make it easier for people to do afterwards. Nice. So yeah, and then we don't have to be in charge of a kind of you know an orchard in the in um, Brazil or wherever and. You know what I mean? Madagascar one. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of exciting (laughs) possibilities, but being in charge of them all is, you know, yeah. It's exhausting, isn't it? When you're, when you're like the the running of a business doing a thing that you love and believe in overtakes the actual doing of the thing. Uh, Yeah. Well, it did. That's the point, really. So, yeah. Pre lockdown, that was, Gavin was in the office sitting on the computer going oh how can we make payroll um but now i mean things have changed so now we're actually out in the field a lot more and and uh actually yeah. actually getting to be with the with the trees a lot more but um yeah also it's also difficult in its own way really yeah it's yeah. um i don't know all we can do in life is move on to new and more interesting problems, isn't it? So, you know, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's worth being back in the field. That's the thing. That's the point is actually we're better off there and um, let's develop this, figure it out. And then we've got something, then we've got something to share. That's the point. Yeah. You know, as it stands, it's sort of, um, you know, we've not been able to write the instructions because we're still <laughs> all learning. Mm-hmm. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much to Alice and Gavin uh, for being just excellent guests and doing such wonderful work. 
Um, I should say that there is an extra 20 minutes of conversation over at the Patreon site. Uh, and you can get there by going to patreon.com forward slash building sustainability. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. Um, I also wanted to say that if the bit where Gavin was talking about the Anglo-Saxon barn was something that, that chimed with you, then I'd recommend going listening to episode number nine with Adrian Lehman. Uh, very much of that sort of mindset. And finally, I just wanted to say that when I was talking to Alison Gavin, I was reminded of a talk I saw at the International Straw Bale Convention in Colorado. And Jacob Deverakasin, I hope I'm saying that right, Jacob, uh, of New Frameworks Building, his take-home message from his talk was that we need to be planting olive trees. Now, olive trees won't bear fruit for the person who plants them, but they will bear fruit to the future generations. And it was this level of forward planning and thinking that we needed to be making in our buildings and our products. And I think that Full Grown have nailed that there. So that's it for me. Uh, if you are new here, make sure you subscribe. If you're listening on the website, there's buttons down the side. All the best. Until next time. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.